What's going on, everybody? It's been a minute since I tapped in with the podcast. It's been a while, but I'm back with another episode, episode four. I got a good episode, got a good interview for you on the way with Xavier Harvey. I'm talking about mental health and just young adults transitioning into adulthood, which I think is very important um, nowadays with the social media and all the different pressures that these young adults go through. Um, Since the last time we tapped in, man, it's been a lot going on in this world. Um, I'll first start by saying, you know, I'm not anti-Semitic. Quite honestly, I've not done my own research enough to even know what anti-Semitic means and about the Jewish culture. Um, But I will say hypocrisy is at an all-time high, man. Um, And feelings matter more than facts now. And this is a scary time. Um, it's, it's, you, you can't have opinions anymore um, because the cancer culture is a real thing. Um, and it's not as far as just being canceled. Like when the cancel culture gets a hold of you, it messes with you monetarily. Um, as you've seen, uh, Kanye West lose a lot of money. Kyrie Irving, who went through his suspension, and I'm sure his suspensions cost him money. So, um, again, I'm not anti-Semitic. Um, I really don't have an opinion on it, but, you know, I just feel that everyone's a lot of uh, fake mad. You know, uh, you know, I was talking to my, my girlfriend about this the other night. It's just that, yeah, well, people are going to be mad about it. A certain topic until the next thing to be mad at or be upset at or cancel comes around and the last thing that was canceled really never got addressed or issued and i just wish more people could have more open dialogue and respect people's opinions because people's opinions in my um opinion <laughs> um comes from their own life experiences um their own research their own life experience their own childhood upbringing so um you know, I, I think that um, here in this world, uh, we're losing ourselves to feelings over facts. And, you know, um, you're not able to have a opinion and an open, educated dialogue with someone that may be having a, a opposed opinion um, that you may have. So um, we're times that we're growing up in. But stay tuned to the pod. We've got Xavier Harvey coming up next. And I'm glad to tap back in with you on the pod. I gotta get after that, after that. Keeping my foot on the gas. Trying to secure me a bag. No, I gotta sweat like Chad. No, I gotta sweat like Chad. No, I gotta sweat like Chad. No, I got a like all right, all right. We're back with the Collab District Podcast. I got my very special guest here today, Xavier Harvey. Welcome to the Collab District. What's going on? What's going on? Uh, I've known X, uh, Xavier Harvey, a.k.a. X, since what? You're about 12 years old? 12, yep. 13 years old? I'm very uh, proud to have this young man on on the podcast to come by the Collab District, not only to share his story, but as he's building his platform so we can share each other's platform because that is essentially is what the Collab District is about. So, X, man, tell the uh, people a little bit about your your life story, where you come from, um, who you are, uh, where'd you grow up, and um, that kind of stuff. For sure. So my name is X. I grew up in the Oxnard area. More particularly Silver Strand to my Silver Strand people watching because I know you guys still watch what's going on. 
Um, I grew up in a blended family, so I have three step siblings. I have a half brother, an amazing stepdad, an amazing mom, um, and they just taught me so many great lessons, you know, along the way since you know I started playing basketball. They started teaching bas uh, life through basketball. Um, but I started playing basketball seriously in the seventh grade, and that's when uh, JD and Coach Sampson, if you're watching, shout out to you too. Shout out Worldwide Sam. Yep. Um, they took a they took an opportunity on they took a chance on me, and I took the opportunity. And at first, I was just this timid kid, you know, didn't really have a whole lot of confidence in my game and in myself. And then as you know, the years progressed on, and they kept nagging at me to just keep getting better, be confident in myself. Um, I eventually did get better um, throughout my middle school years. Um, I then tried out at Oxnard High School my freshman year summer. I'll always remember this because my summer freshman year, going into my freshman year in the summer, I got cut. Uh, they were just like, wasn't the, I didn't even make it to the second day. They cut me the very first day. They were like, nope, you're no good. Like we don't we don't see you having a, a future in basketball. And that, that hit home because, you know, past two years has been. So wait, so a coach actually, coach has actually told you that? Because I remember this situation just to back up a little bit. When I remember when I did first meet you when you were about 12, 13 years old, like you said, when I first met you, you, you were very low confidence. Mm -hmm. So you weren't outgoing, low self-esteem. Um, and quite frankly, you didn't have that much talent in hoop yet. But you were always the kid that was staying after uh, practice. You came to every practice, number one, just showing up, right? Yeah. Um, but I remember vividly, at, you know, um, getting a phone call about you getting cut at Oxnard High School. So what about that experience did you learn and how did that change you? I was only a freshman at the time. So I, you know, I thought that was it. I was like, you know what? No more hoops for me. I'm just going to be... You know, someone just goes to high school, whatever. And it's actually funny because, so my mom only let me go to Oxnard High School if I played a sport. And um, when I got cut, she's like, well, you're not going to go to Oxnard then. Like, you need to find a sport. So she's like, you have to play water polo. <laughs> and um, to, to all my guys that are watching right now, too, um, water polo was not my sport at all. I was, I'm a decent swimmer. But just the whole treading water was terrible. So I, I made it a point. And I was like, you know what? No, like this is not my sport. I need to get better. So I went to this this summer camp. Um, I turned my whole mindset around. I was like, you know what? Screw that. Um, I'm going to just work my ass off and um, and just work, get better. So I went to this camp in Santa Barbara. I don't remember the name of the camp. Oh, Snow Valley Basketball Camp. That's where I went. And I went there for four days. It was all overnight. I brought this big duffel bag. It was like I was moving out. And um, I was just there for four days just grinding, working, working out. We woke up. They woke us all up at 6.30 a.m. Hoop, hoop, lunch, hoop, 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 go to sleep for four days straight. And that whole camp just changed my whole vision on basketball, that it wasn't just about scoring because that was my biggest thing in middle school. Is like, oh, I can just score the ball. We learned more about IQ. Playing defense was a big thing, and just keeping up with guys athletically was my was my thing. You know, coaches had told me like you can keep up with guys. You're fast. You're quick. Laterally quick, but you have to just keep putting the work in. Put on some pounds, and you should be able to make your team. So I did all that all summer. Hated water polo, and <laughs> they had a um, 
it's funny because I talked to uh, Coach Gabe, who's a J- who was a JV coach at Oxford High School, helped out varsity. Um, I remember they threw another tryout in like the October November because I was already said like I didn't was that for like team. the football players, right? Yeah, it was for football yeah. players, and I was like, oh, this is my chance. Like I gotta, I gotta get this. Like I have to make the team. So mm-hmm. I tried out. And um, I had a couple guys who were already on the team, some of my friends who I grew up playing VC Elite with, yeah. uh, Stacy, Kai, Marcus, Donovan. And um, I remember they, uh, they all watched us actually try out. It was after school. They were already there for sixth period. Did that put some pressure on you? Oh, yeah. There yeah. was some, some peer pressure there, just some like, <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Like, yeah, because oh, these guys are your, in your um, same class, but they're not doing the second trial because they've already made the team, right? Yep. So, they already made it. They were set in stone. So then like, there's that little thing there that's like, oh, you got to do the second tryout. But you're one of the boys. You know, you grew up playing with these mm-hmm. guys just uh, a, a few months ago, right? Yeah. Competing with them every, every day all summer, right? Yeah. And so, so how was that going in mentally? Where not only are you, not only are you preparing physically for the for the trial, but you're also you you know you got that peer pressure of you know your boys looking at you in the stands, like yeah. you know, and they're and you know, and they're making jokes every little mistake you make, and yep. and it just heightens your. It just heightens that that pressure. Talk mm-hmm. talk about that. So that was. I'm glad you you broke that down into detail because I was going to just skip right over it. (laughs) Um, But no, they, yeah, it was, I wouldn't say traumatizing, but there was a lot of pressure. I was just like, these are all my boys. And, uh, you know, as a freshman at the time, we had guys like JR and Dom and Kev, and I looked up to them and was like, oh, those are the big dogs, and they're watching too. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like I'm I'm shitting the bed right now. You know, nervous. at At this point, I'm super nervous. And then as soon as I just touched the basketball, made one shot, I was like, all right. All nerves were gone, um, and I just we just played fives. I think for that tryout too, it was just five on five, and I just remember I went crazy. I was just getting a bucket, getting stops, getting blocks at a as a five eight scrawny white boy. You know, I was yeah. just, just all over the floor. And I remember that's when I first introduced myself to Coach Gabe. He pulled me out of the practice or the tryout early and was like, "Yeah, you made the team." I was like, "Nice, nice, cool." And um, so I was like, this is actually a funny part in the story. Um, so for sixth period, JV and varsity stay inside the gym and Sawfrost will go outside. It's been that way since I went there. Yeah. So I think they still do that. Yeah. That's crazy. Sixth period. That's so, some of the most lit. Yeah. Five on fives <laughs> in Oxnard High School history. Yeah. Those are some of the, they were the best fives. But back to the story. So I was walking out to Frosh. I just assumed like, you know what, like. I'm just happy I made the team. I'm going to go outside with the Frost guys and, you know, hopefully work my way up. I was just, I was super humbled from getting cut to now making the team. So just like, I was in the mindset of like, all right, I'm going to do every little thing possible. I'm going to work hard and play my role. Hard work pays off 100% of the time. Exactly. So I was walking out and uh, the door actually closed behind me and I hear the door open again and Coach Gabe was just like, yo, X, you're... You're in here. You sound just like him, too. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, no way. Like, I was practicing. I was playing fives with, you know, JV and varsity. And I was just, I was honestly in shock because I, at this time, I mentally, I was just like, all right, I'm at this level. Mm-hmm. This is the level I'm here. And I got to get better. So putting me on JV was like a huge confidence booster. Um, practicing with them, I played well. And then it was just kind of like... So what did that do to... Not only... You said like it was a confidence booster. I know that was a confidence booster on the court. 
But what did that do to like your overall life? Like confidence booster, like making the team, you know, like seeing um, the fruits of your hard work pay off. Not only did you not, did you make a team, you made the JV team. Mm -hmm. So you didn't make the soft frost freshman. Like, so you had put in the work all summer and then been recognized for your work and put and and been um, put on the JV team. And so what did that do to just like your whole psyche? Because, again, remember, you're coming from being low self-esteem, not having that much confidence. So now you're about to leapfrog to playing JV as a freshman. Mm. Uh, what does that do to your to to your to your self self-esteem and confidence? Yeah, I mean, I was. I was hyped to go to school not wearing the same stuff that Frost was wearing. <laughs> I was like, I'm wearing the JV stuff, you know. Yeah, I got the I good it. stuff. I got the good vest. I had the nice long sleeve, you know. So I was I was hyped, you know. I got to walk around school with the JV guys. And, you know, being a freshman on JV, at least when I was in high school, was a pretty big thing just because the varsity team was always just loaded. So being yeah. a freshman on JV was still, like, a huge, like, oh, let's go. Like, this is, this is dope. Yeah. But, um... I would say still making JV as a freshman, I was still super timid, like in games. I still was just like messing up because my confidence wasn't there. And I think looking back at it now, I should have been like, bro, you made it on JV as a freshman. Like, yeah, you're there for a reason. You need to perform. But you didn't feel like you belonged for some reason. I, you know, as a kid, a as a kid, I guess, no, yeah. you know, I was just like, I don't, I don't think I'm ready. And that was that self-doubt I've ha I've had for years, you know, from seventh grade to even junior year, I was just always like, do I belong here, you know? Like, yeah. am, am I the guy? I can and, relate to that. You know, so yeah. it was just like, I was always just confused in my role, I think, growing up in high school, basketball, and even having friends and stuff like that, too. I was just confused on, like, what I am to that person, or yeah, what I right. am to the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was just, that was the biggest struggle, I would say, for sure, was just, like, so how did that, how did that season play out? So my freshman year, I played in one or two games, and then we had three of our point guards on Frost get hurt. Um, I'm trying to think of the three. It was a uh, Talik, Isaiah. <laughs> Wait, shout out Talik. Shout out Talik, bro. I hope you hope really you good really out hope there in Texas, this. man. Yeah. Hope you good in Texas, bro. Um, Talik, Isaiah Spence, and Emiliano, and they all got hurt. Uh, Talik banged his knee up. Emiliano broke his something, and then Isaiah Spence broke his growth plate. So that was, he was gone for yeah, good. I remember that, yeah. So I came in on Frosh, and, you know, the confidence kind of went down because I was just like, ah. Oh, it's yeah. like a demotion? Yeah, like a demotion. Um, and it was fair, too. You know, I wasn't playing too well in JV. Practice, I was fine, you know, because there's no pressure. But it was just the games. I was just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, yeah. I just, everything. Mentally, maybe not weren't ready. Yeah, yeah. mentally. So, you know, being on Frosh kind of put me down because then even on Frosh, I wouldn't even start some games. So I was just like, how can I be up to JV? Now I'm not even starting on Frost. So that was just like a huge, like, Me up too. and down yeah. roller coaster. I was just like, what? Emotionally, right? Yeah, you know, but I think that's that was a huge life lesson because you're going to have your all-time highs of like, dude, I'm on top of the world right now. Yeah. Then you're going to have your lows of like, damn, this sucks really bad like yeah. i don't even do i want to play basketball should i even play basketball just having overthinking thoughts is it worth it going to practice every right. day you know you know especially when you get demoted like we talked about especially now 
it, it even when when I was in high school, that peer pressure of like your your friends ragging on you because you're you're now you're playing soft rush and now you're back to the soft rush gear and yeah. so you go through that whole thing mentally. Um, and again, it's all fun and jokes, but at the same time, it still does something to you mentally, right? Yeah. Like you're still like, well, this is this is this is part of my reality at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. And and the motion never feels good, you know, yeah. uh, especially when after like you said, it's such of a change of event from cut putting in the work recognized and and rewarded highly for it but then demoted back down yeah and and so so it was you know that that is amazing and and you only get those life lessons not only but I'm sorry uh sport gives you the opportunity to learn these life lessons to the things and mm-hmm. the adversities just that you went through already at 14 15 yep. years old that you had to n- navigate through um, through and through sport, because as kids and um, young adults, like it's it's such a game that we love. Like we we're very passionate about yeah. sport, right? So when you know when you're on those highs and lows, it's not just highs and lows on the court. Like they carry over to off the, the court. Life. Yeah, yeah, they you know, and so so that summer you made a decision to leave Oxnard High School. I did, so. and. Yeah. I, I remember you talking to me about that decision, your parents talking to me and Samson, the rest of the VC Elite team about that decision, and um, which was a big decision for you. And I think it was because the next year you come in, you felt like you put in the work and then you didn't make varsity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my sophomore year, um, it was like a it was a battle between me and my high school point guard, Eddie, between either who makes who goes JV, who goes varsity. And so all summer, I mean, Eddie and I are just duking it out, trying to outwork each other. And there was a point where I was like, dude, fuck it. I'm going to play JV at Santa Clara. And I was just like, damn, you know, like all this work. It's it's just like I feel like I wasn't moving. You know, I felt like I wasn't getting better. Um, and then eventually Eddie, um, me and Eddie, I were just we kept competing, kept competing. And then finally it was decision time. And that's when Bob was like, all right. You know what, X? You'll you'll go into varsity, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Well, no, I'm talking about <clears throat> before you got to Santa Clara, when a lot of guys were gonna were thinking about leaving Oxnard to go to Santa Clara. Ah, uh, yes. And there was that peer pressure of like, "Oh, you're being a, a, a adjective. Mm-hmm. You don't want to stick it out and work hard, but Ugh. you had already been proven." That you you worked hard, you've been working hard, yep. and it was like you you were judged for yep. making a decision that was best for you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that was hard for you because it you were like, man, some you know, it made me feel like I was cowarding out, like I like like I didn't want to work for a spot at at Oxnard, but it wasn't really about that because we all know in high school sports it's a little bit more than than. Um, what happens on the court sometimes. Right. So you made a decision that was best for you. Mm-hmm. And there was, again, a point in your life where you were highly judged by not only your coaches, but your peers as well mm-hmm. that didn't leave right. to go to Santa Clara. Yeah. So, yeah. So now I know what you're saying. So, yeah, my sophomore year, I was, I was you know, I'll stay at Oxnard. And then, you know, I figured that I wasn't going to make varsity at Oxnard. And that's when, uh, that's AAU summer was probably the most fun AAU summer ever, honestly. Uh, it was 
It was so was much crazy. fun. So many tournaments. Yeah. So many long car rides. Like, oh fun, my gosh, fun times. That was fun. Fun but, times. Um, yeah, so we had a nice little team in, in AAU, and majority of us went to Oxnard, and we all kind of came to the conclusion, like, like, bro, we're not going to play at, at Oxnard. Like, this is just the reality of it. So I kind of was just like, you know what? I'll go and then you guys really did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anymore. Maybe yeah. Ex- with the exception of Marcus, but that eventually came to an end, too. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, you know what? I'll go to Santa Clara. And that's... Um, what's crazy enough is hopefully I'm able to talk about this. Um, but we had, it was me, it was Marcus, it was Donovan and Ricky Holmes. Mm-hmm. Shout out Ricky. Miss you brother, man. Yeah. Shout um, out Ricky and, and Big Rick. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a, in a cool minute, but, um, so we were all four of us. were going to go to Santa Clara. Started pra- we started practicing with Santa Clara. They all started practicing with us. And, um, then, like, right before the season started, uh, they all left. They, they went back to Oxnard. You know, Marcus, Donovan, Ricky, they all went back to Oxnard. So it was just me at Santa Clara. And I was just kind of like, what the fuck, bro? Like, you guys, you guys played me, you know? Yeah. Like, we've been practicing with SC, and now I'm over here stuck. Keep in mind, I was still new to the whole team that year. And um, I was just like... You guys ditched me, you know? Yeah. So th- that's when I think, like, a small little rivalry started between Santa Clara and Oxnard for, for like, a couple of years. Granted, we never beat Oxnard. Um, okay. But it was, like, that small little, like, competitive, like, all right, now every time we play, there's going to be... There's a thing. There's a thing. There's a thing. There's a little thing. There's a thing. And it was also, there's a thing because the the VC Elite, he or the VC Elite, and what's the new team? Uh, uh, build Up. Yeah, build up. You yeah. know, so there was always that thing there. Mm-hmm. But if, but granted, if you didn't make that decision for yourself, and again, I look at you as a leader because you didn't follow back with the rest of your friends. You mm-hmm. made that. You made what what a bet. What decision was best for you? Then you get to Santa Clara. You get the opportunity to play varsity. But not only that, but like it was an opportunity that like helped you get to grow into like a leadership role mm-hmm. with if you were to stay at Oxnard you would have maybe never been in position yeah. to be in a leadership role right yeah. mm-hmm. so now you get this leadership role at 16 years old at Santa Clara on the basketball court that now can carry over to being your le- a leadership role in in life and we'll talk about some of the things you're doing right now but talk about that like just making that decision when it wasn't a popular one at the time, number mm-hmm. one, and then making that decision and getting that opportunity and embracing like, okay, now I'm here alone, not here alone, but my peers didn't make the same decision, but I'm going to embrace this opportunity and grow within my leadership role in this opportunity that I have. Mm-hmm. So sophomore year, um, just keep it brief. I, I didn't play a lot, you know, my, and that's the year who won the ring. Yep. So and then, still got a ring. Shout out, ring. Yeah. Everyone says it was D this, D that, but hey, it hey, is what it a is. A ring is a ring, man. And I, and I think that's yeah. that's like the that's problem. Too. And here's here's what's crazy is, I'll get back on topic. Here's what's crazy is, you know, all these kids that are my age that were in high school, at, I'm going to call all the high schools out that were talking trash. <laughs> Oxnard, Pacifica, Channel Islands Talk was talking it. trash. Talk you know, you it. had Bonnie, of course, Bonnie's, shout out Bonnie's, I'm the coach there now. Um, but Bonnie was talking trash about, oh, Division 5AA. Hey, man, Division 5AA or Open Division, we want a ring. And I don't think people understand that, like, 
even though it's a it was a somewhat weak division, it still takes dedication. It still takes discipline. It still takes waking up at six a.m. every morning to go to weights and staying committed to the program and buying in. Facts. And that's what made you know the ring so special too was that all of us bought in, and we were a team that was destined to not win any games. We were a team that wasn't supposed to do anything. Yeah. So again, now you go again from the motion to Safrosh. Promotion back to varsity, and not only not being, you know, not playing much, but you're part of the team to winning a championship. Like you have these huge shifts of ups and downs, and like, how do you deal with that mentally? I mean, it's it's hard, honestly. Like it's it's really difficult because you know when you are at the highest of highs, you know, you think you stay there. Realistically, you don't. You drop down. You know, when you get into those lows, you you go down. And you know, shout out to everybody that's honestly everybody that's had my back, that's been there for me. You know, answered the phone calls at one, two in the morning when I'm just like, dude, I'm going through it. Mm-hmm. I think just having a solid inner circle is really what kept me going, like, and staying positive through it because there was just lowest of lows that I was like, I just want to go in my bed. I'm just gonna sleep. And just chill. And I would have friends that would text me, call me, knowing that I'm, you know, not at my best right now. And they would just be like, dude, you got it. Just, you know, I'm going to come swing by. Let's hang out. You know, let's go get some food. Let's go hoop. Let's go work out. Something. Just to get you out of the bed. Because they knew I was in bed. So going through from, like, those highs and lows is... It was difficult. It was really difficult to manage. But, you know, know, we still all go through those highs of highs and lows of lows. And I think... The biggest part, or two biggest parts about those is, one, having a really solid inner circle. Somebody, you know, two or three people max that you can really just call and be like, bro, I need to have like a two-hour conversation with you. And I think I'll be good. Yeah. And secondly, it's just staying positive, knowing that, honestly, it's, it might be bad right now, but staying positive through the course of all this negativity. Because if you feed into this negativity, if you feed into feeling sad and sorry for yourself you're yeah. going to stay sad and yeah i call it the emotional train like yeah. we all can jump on these emotional trains right where we can just we just grab this emotional downhill train and we can just get on it and and, and it'll, tra- it'll travel as far as we want it to go right right but like you said it's about knowing that the ups and downs is, is just part of the process right mm-hmm. so you know we all struggle i struggle with it even to the day definitely at at the ages, that young adult age from like 17 to 19 is so difficult, that transition. Mm-hmm. So I get what you mean by like having a solid, you know, inner circle yeah. or or even even if you have older, for me it was coaches or, yeah. you know, stepfathers or, you know, just, just older friends, you yeah. know, that have been through it. And that's very key. Even until today, um, it's important to um, have a strong inner circle, yeah, you know, someone to that you can be vulnerable to mm-hmm. without judgment. Without judgment, yeah. Because as male, we grow up and our idols are we look up to these sports uh, athletes, entertainers, and they don't show vulnerability, right? Right. Yeah. So, but that's just just a part of life, right? But. So when it's time to be vulnerable and if you don't have a space in a person, whether it's through friends, therapy, talk therapy, however, you know, you get it out and you allow yourself to be vulnerable. I think what you're saying is it's important and and that you have that type of support. Mm -hmm. And I think that people listening to this should really take a look at it because there can be so much suppression that happens. 
when it eventually comes out, because it does, it comes out in the wrong way. Right. Right. Yeah. It comes out destructive, self-inflicted, mm-hmm. and, and and other things start to happen. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that you had a, a, a good inner circle while mm-hmm. you were going through these huge swings of emotions of just highs and lows. Like, it didn't sound like from the time you were 14 to 17, you're like... There was like that middle steady ground. It was like a constant yeah, it was high and low, high and low, high yeah. and low, high and low, you know? Yeah. And and I know that has to be um, difficult to deal with mentally as a as a 14-year-old in general. And then you put your peers, then you put the social media, mm-hmm. and then you just put your own self, you know, yeah. expectations that we put on ourselves. Like, so most times we can be our own biggest critics. Yeah. So I commend you for, you know, continually to persevere through, you know, those times, um, which brings me to like, you know, I think that's not talked about enough is young adults. I have a, I have a daughter, um, that's 19, of course, same age as you. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that high school graduation experience is another high and low for some and mm-hmm. for most because, it's a high because you're completing graduation or you're ending the time in school, whether you graduate or not. Um, but then there's that pressure of like, what are you going to do next? Yep. Oh yeah. Right. And, and for most minority, um, families, you know, college and the expenses of college or even junior college is like, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. It's a, Mm -hmm. you know, so talk about, graduating high school and how great that experience was and how much of an accomplishment um, that was for you. But then that thing, that that cloud that hangs over young adults of like, what am I going to do next? Yeah. So I could definitely say I ended high school with a a pretty big bang. Um, You know, senior year, we lost in the second round to a heartbreaker. So that put me down mentally for a really long time. Like, I mean, I just... It was still Zoom, but you had the option of going to school. I was just never going because I was just like, you know, it sucked. I didn't want to be in the like near the gym. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, but eventually, you know, slowly started going to school when I could, and you know, I was I was getting happy again. I was seeing my friends there. You know, we still had to be social distance, whatever. But it was it was just nice to yeah, see. Yeah, you're going through this. Your senior year was through COVID. Yeah. Wow. So that even puts even. A bigger, a bigger, because now you're you're experiencing your senior year, which is supposed to be some of the most funnest, best times. Your proms, your grad nights, mm-hmm. senior ditch days, you yeah. know, it, and you're and you guys are separated. Yeah, and wow. we're separated. You know, everything was limited. You know, we pretty much had senior ditch day every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if anyone's from Santa Cruz watching this, I'm sorry, but let's just be real. Um, Senior ditch day was pretty much every day, but let's let's kind of go back to the transition period. So you know, we graduated. Um, I actually did a backflip before I got my diploma, so that was like the biggest high. I was like, "Yo, like this is tough." Like you know, yeah. it went viral. Sports Center asked to use it. I was like, "Let's go!" You know, I was happy. Um, but you know, I still wanted basketball to be a part of my career. I was still playing to play college basketball, and. You know, from when we lost in the second round to when I graduated, even to a month after I graduated, was just always emailing coaches. Always. You were doing it yourself? Yeah. I had my parents help me. Like, you know, my parents were nagging at me. And it got to a point where honestly, I was like, I'm sick of this, bro. Like, I don't, (laughs) like, you guys are just making me not want to email these coaches, you know? So, but, um, so I was emailing coaches 
And the first month, you know, I was staying positive. I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna find a, I'm gonna find a school eventually. I'll find a school. I'll find a school. So, so you wanted to pursue basketball and school? Yep. Okay. Because I, I wanted to, you know, I, I figured overseas was was the difficult option straight out of high school, and I didn't have many connects then. So I was like, you know what? Like, let's just take the college route. You know, you're you're no one special yet, Xavier. You still gotta be humble. Um, so I, I took the college route and I, for two, I would say two and a half months, I emailed coaches, you know, not every day. I would say at least three to five times. And now you can email them, you can DM them, yeah. right? Like you can do you, all that. Yeah. You can Twitter, DM, Gmail, all that. And all that information is online for free. So I had to, when I grew up, I had to pay a recruiting service, yeah. a subscription fee to like try yeah. to get so, my notes. So I actually had something like that. It was NCSA. Yeah. And, you know. Shout out my parents for buying that for me. That was the the biggest thing they could have probably ever bought for me. You know, although I didn't, I'll talk about it later. Although I didn't get like seven Division three or NAIA looks, it honestly got me the one look that I'm going to talk about right now, and it changed my life. You know, forever. Um. So yeah, just emailing colleges for did, months straight. When you graduated high school, did you feel like there was pressure from your parents, your peers, yourself? Um. To go to college because college for me, and I got a daughter. I got a daughter in college, so I'm not against it. But I just know that school is not for everyone. Right yeah. out, you know, right out of that that transition year. You know, mm-hmm. I, I only continued to go to school when I went to Ventura College, um, for because it, it allowed me to continue to play basketball. I had no interest mm-hmm. in, in school at that point. And soon as we lost um, in the playoff, I I didn't go back to school. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. So college, it's it, it's tricky. Um, my grandparents, if you made it this far and you're watching, um, they definitely have a, a lot of like pressure. They want me to get my diploma. They want me to get you know my degree. They want me to get those things. The system, right? You know, and that's fine. You know, the the traditional grandparents, you know, go to school, get your degree, work a nine to five for the rest of your life, save half that money. You know, but that's that's not realistic anymore. Well, that's their upbringing. That's right? the, but that, that was their upbringing, it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And that, but as of right now, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I had a lot of pressure, you know. Just like I needed to go to, and that was the biggest thing. It wasn't like they wanted me to get it at junior college. They wanted me to go to Ooh, university. Yeah. They're yeah. like, oh, wow. You know, my parents, my grandparents are Filipino. I'm Filipino, so don't think this is racist. But they, you know, the thick accent. Xavier, you need to go university. <laughs> you need to go to state college. You need to go to a big college. And I was just like, okay, I got to find a university that's like a Division three NAIA with a good business program, and somewhere where I can play. That was that was the big thing. That sounds somewhere. like a lot of yeah, you know. So right? I was just like, ah. and I couldn't. It's a lot of pressure. And at, during the first few months of finding a college, they didn't want me to go far. And I I was at the point in my life I was like, I'm going as far as possible, right? I'm going as far as possible. That's why I'm, I'm glad this yeah. is leading up to. You went as far as possible as you could. Yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of pressure from my grandparents. There was a lot of pressure from my parents because, the, you know, they want me to play basketball. They paid for this, you know, NCSA stuff to get me to a college so I can pursue my dreams. You know, like that's what I had told them. Like, I want to play college basketball. And that's my goal. Mm-hmm. I want to play. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a lot of pressure. And then finally, I got my first... Well, actually, I got my first email back from a school named Ave Maria in Florida. It was an NAAA program, and they offered me $750 scholarship. And and the, what would that get you? Like, out-of-state tuition? Out-of-state tuition was like 
forty thousand. So for I was, NI, for NAI, yeah, it was a private private Catholic institution. Yeah. So I was just like. Okay. Yeah, that was like your flight to Florida, right? Yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, my first, you know, I guess you'd say partial interest, offer? partial offer. But Thank I was you. like, that, I'm not going to have my parents pay 30-something thousand for me to play on their JV program. So I kept emailing coaches, and this is when I went on a dry spell for like a month straight. No colleges reached out, and I was ready to just be like, you know what, guys, I'm not going to play basketball. Like, I, I can't find a school, and you guys don't want me to go to junior college. I'd rather just say, you know what? Rack and, up and the you, shoes, but you knew you could play at junior college, right? Yeah, I knew that. I, I knew that I had the capabilities of playing in junior college. And we have a we have a few good ones, and, and you know, Samson is yep. is you know is, is next coach to be at Oxnard yeah. College, so mm-hmm. it would have been a good fit. So yeah. that may be something that you would you could have explored, but didn't because of because parents of the pressures. The, yeah, you know, the, 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 the outer from, yeah, the outer circle, the outer circle. Well, well that's your inner circle. That's my inner circle, but the outer what's the word? It's outer the, input. Yeah. You yeah, know, so outer was, influence. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, all right. And then I had one last email. Um, shout out, shout out Carl Henriksen. He was the one that emailed me back and he said, you know, I, I watched your tape. I watched your game. You're a well-spoken man on, you know, at least through email. And I wrote all my emails myself. My parents, you know, they would edit here and there, but it was majority me. And he was just like, you're a well-spoken young man. You know, I think you'll be a great fit. And that's when I was like, and you should never take the first offer. But it was <laughs> it was so long into the process. Like, yo, right there. I'm taking it. Maine. And I remember telling my, I remember this, oh my God, I remember this so like perfectly. Because I was so down about myself about it. I you know, I set up a call with the with Carl. And he said, well, welcome aboard. I can't wait to have you. I did the whole sign-up process for I ended up the school is the University of Southern Maine. Shout out all my guys out there. They're doing great this season. Um, you know, I've nothing but love for those guys. I definitely miss you all. Hopefully you guys watch this. Um But yeah, he gave me my opportunity and I said, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I'm, I'm taking it. I took it right away. I remember I was in my grandparents' guest room. That's where we were kind of staying at the time. I walked outside, my mom was on the couch, my grandparents were downstairs on the other couch, and I was just screaming like let's go like guys i did it you know i was ready to go to southern maine and i told them where southern maine was they, they should have known like it says southern maine was like it's in maine they're like maine in the u.s i'm like there's only one maine, maine and only. it's in you know it's I don't, clear across the country yeah so if you don't know where maine's at it's literally on the complete opposite side of california california's on the bottom left maine is in the very top right like right next to canada type vibes um i remember telling them that and my grandparents were like, oh, okay. It was a bittersweet for them? Yeah, they were like, they did not seem happy. They were just like, oh, you know, and then I told my mom about it, and she wasn't too hyped about it, and I was just like, damn, like, so you want, you put all this pressure on me, but then right? I finally found a school, but it's not to your liking, so you're going to make me feel, you know, so. So it wasn't, it was Roller coasters, you yeah, know? Yeah, another roller coaster, right? It was just like. I was wow. happy. I, I literally just got off the phone. I was just happy, super excited. And then it was like, okay, now I'm not excited. You know? And yeah. I think going back to the whole transition from being at the highest of highs in high school graduating to being at the lows of, you know, not wanting to touch a gym again. Not being recruited. Not being recruited. You know, it was tough. To going back to the highs of I finally found a school and then literally like the next five minutes just straight back down because it just felt like I wasn't. 
supported. It felt like they weren't happy for me. It felt like they were only happy because I'm their son and like, you know, you found a school finally. But I knew that deep down they wanted me to be closer. Yeah. They wanted me to find a better school. And that's what they told me. They're like, well, keep looking for schools. Don't just take the first option. Because I had about, I'd say a month left. And at that time, when you email coaches... You're probably exhausted at this point, right? Mentally, you're probably drained. Mentally, I was like, screw... Emotionally? I said, screw this, you know? I was just like... I'm emailing another coach, right? I did all my emails already. I've done so many follow-up emails, and I finally found one, and I was ready to just, you know what? I'm just going to take it. I'm I'm taking this right here. And my parents, you know, they still told me, you know, still email schools, still email schools. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm still emailing schools. Yeah. Sorry, mom and dad. I was not emailing more schools. I, I was not. I was, you know, because I was just, you know, it was it was also a transition period for my parents and I. I think uh, Q was just born, my little brother. And, you know, so my mom was going through a lot of stuff, just, you know, raising a kid again. Um, the, the age difference, by the way, I'm 19. My little brother's three. So it's been 16 years since my mom has even raised like a newborn baby so she was going through a lot of stuff too and i commend her for sticking like staying strong through the whole covid through basically yeah covid having a kid through covid so so many limitations so many rules so many everything everything you know so i commend my mom for that but it was just like you know i felt like they weren't not that they weren't proud but they were like you know you can i feel like you can do do better better. you know yeah and that's just a letdown right like again you go from high to low and again, you're making a decision that is best for you, but your peers, your family, and some people um, that support you may not support the decision. And so many times, I think, and it's in their best interest, right? Of course, you're, mm-hmm. we're talking about our loved ones here, but they put they put us in this box, you mm-hmm. know, of like, well, I thought you were going to go this yeah. way, and, 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 and life was going to go this way, and at the end mm-hmm. of the day, like... You still have to, now you're an adult, right? You're yeah. making decisions what's best for you, right? right? That are going to affect your future and your mm-hmm. life. So you make that decision to go to Maine. Yep. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, you're leaving home. You're going to the furthest place on the map. Completely um, you're yeah. going from Southern California to Maine. So talk about that experience of like living on your own, um, you know, I moved from California to Florida, and, and there's a there's like this culture shock, right? Because it's, it's a different yeah. culture of people um, yep. that you're living around. And, <clears throat> you know, just talk about that experience of, you know, making that move, saying goodbye to your loved ones, um, going to a foreign place. You know, damn, they're almost another country, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and you're going out there by yourself. Yeah, so I remember actually we left two weeks early prior to moving day because we went to go visit family in Virginia. And I remember that I was like, Oh my gosh, I gotta wait two more weeks. And I'm really, and I was really stuck with family. And this was at a time when I was, just so you were like, anxious to get away. I was anxious. I was very anxious just to get away. Cause I feel like COVID really like, yeah, brought families together, but also drew families apart because we were with each other way too much, <laughs> way too much, you know? And you just, I love my parents. I'll always love my parents. Thanks. I love my grandparents. I love my family forever. You know, it's my family. It's my blood. But it was just like. Space is good. Space is really good. Yeah. And I didn't have too much of it for the past year and a half. I can relate to that. I mean, I love my family. Um, but it is, it's nice to live 2,500 miles away. Yeah, it was. Sometimes. It was for the first couple of months. So, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, so, two weeks go by. We drove from Virginia. We actually <laughs> forgot about this. We bought a car in, in Maryland. 
we drove the car up from Maryland to Maine, and we took a couple road tri- uh, road trips. We uh, or road stop, whatever the word is. We stopped in pit the, stops. Yeah, pit stops. Stopped in New York. Wow. Stopped in Philly. Stopped in Boston. We had family in Boston too. And then Maine was the next stop. And I remember very, very clearly, move-in day was like one of the most emotional feelings like emotional days of my life because it was like I was so I had so much like I just want anxious to just go 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 like leave me alone guys I'm ready you're ready to leave the nest I'm ready to go I'm ready to be my own person and so moving day I was (laughs) I was pissed at my dad because I was it said on the email like oh be here at two o'clock no exceptions and we were there at 2.45 and shout out John but he doesn't have a a, a concept (laughs) of time sometimes (laughs) Shout out John, though. That's my guy. Selling cars like candy bars. Selling cars. Like, yeah, but so I was, I was pissed. I was super upset. I know I was barely talking to them. They took videos and like my face is like, fucking assholes. You know? Yeah. Um, so we got there. It turns out there wasn't, there was exceptions. It wasn't that big of a deal. So I was like, you know what? My bad. You know, after I had figured that out. But moving day, I was just like, I was trying to get all the stuff from my car in like one trip. I was like, Let, let's do this. Let's go. Come on. Try to get moved in. Um, so we move all in. They give us all that information in my dorm room. And, you know, we're walking past the dorms and I was like, oh, they're cool. Little, like, it's a, it's probably a dorm room size of this room. And there was two people living in it, probably a little smaller actually. And there would be two of us. And I saw people walking in, moving in. I was like, oh, cool. So we're walking to my room and we walk into like this section that like no one else is walking into. And I was like, all right, and then I look at the door number, and this was our door. And I was like, this looks nothing like anyone else's dorm. So I was like, keep in mind, it's because I was late to register for my classes or for my dorm. I guess I didn't do one more step. And while I was at the airport from LAX to get to Maryland, they were like, oh, we're just calling you, you know, because it's like two weeks before, like, you haven't signed up for your dorm. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah, I did. They're like, well, you have to actually confirm. I'm like, oh my gosh. So they confirm. put you in an electrical closet? So they <laughs> they put us in this big ass room, just bricks all around, no AC, no heater. I think that's how all dorms are actually, which I thought was crazy. But now looking at everyone else's stories and like all my friends are like, yeah, there's no AC. Or heater. <laughs> yeah. But I was, it's just this big ass brick room. And there was four beds, four closets. We each had our own little corner, no walls in between. It was literally just one big ass room, and I was just I was just remember I was like, okay, this might work if I have cool roommates. Like this is a huge room, we could put a couch right in the middle, we could put a big TV, we could all pitch it on a big TV. Yeah, figure it out. And I was like, this is gonna be sick. I was the first one there, by the way. And then um, my other three room, uh, my other two roommates actually came in. One of them uh, was a character. For sure. I'm not going to say names. For, I'm definitely not going to say names, but I'll explain them briefly. One of them was a character for sure. Very sloppy, very messy. And I was like, all right, maybe that's the roommate I don't talk to. <laughs> the other one brought in his complete PC setup. And, you know, so it was just always hot in the room because when you have a PC, it's just, and he always had it on, always had it on. And I'm going to, I'm going to sidetrack just a little bit. So he would bar. stay up until 2 a.m with his friends on discord and they would watch anime and he's screaming at in one big room one big room so and this is more this is more your culture shock because you're used to sleeping in your cozy bed yeah. in your own room yeah and now you got other adult men living with you uh-huh. and one guy screaming all yeah, night so we have one guy who was just always yelling and 
uh, my other roommate, who I'll actually say, he was really cool. I think his name was Mark. I think it's Marcus. I think. I'm not sure. A black guy. And, you know, of course. Yeah. You know, I was grilled with you, yeah, you guys. Yeah, brothers, yeah. Yeah, so he was, I remember one time I'm texting him. It's like 1.30 and he's awake. I can see him across the room. I'm texting him like, yo, tell him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I don't want to be the one to do it, you know? He's like, oh, Ben, I got you. And I just remember it was like 10 minutes had passed by. Roommate still screaming. And my roommate's like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's 1.45 in the morning and you're yelling at anime on a screen. He's like, shut up. Yeah. And we, <laughs> I just started laughing. Teach his own. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, he's got told. And then our, our, room, our roommate finally, you know, went to sleep. He was probably shook. But let, we'll go back to the whole move-in thing. Um, so, yeah, moving in, it was... It was a it was a cool day, you know. And then left all my belongings there. There was like a freshman orientation that was cool. I met some of my friends that you know I'll be friends with for the rest of my life. Um, shout out the guy, the wrestling guys, Caleb, Tyler, Colby, AJ, Serena. You guys are dope. I'll always remember you guys. Um, but yeah, I met them at the freshman orientation. We stayed friends, you know, pretty much throughout the whole year. They were the that was the group that was like after practice. If all the guys retired, mm. I'd go hang out with them. Mm. Um, so moving in that them that eased it a little bit for sure. It was like yeah. okay, I have. I've- so you were able? Were you able to find like like minded people? Because I, you know, in college, uh, everyone everyone's coming from different areas, areas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if you can find like minded people, maybe you can feel like you're at home a little bit. Yeah, and then they it makes we, it easier to be on the road. Yeah, we all had pretty much similar personalities, just. This is when I was outgoing now, you know, so we were just outgoing, goofy, always laughing, like always messing around in the dorm room. So it was just, it was fun and enjoyable to be able to hang out with them. It didn't make me like just sit in my dorm room 24-7, you know, like having to stay with roommates that I wasn't really, you know, fucking with and stuff like that. So that definitely made the transition a little more easy. easier. It made it easier because it was just like... Well, what about the other stuff like, you know, eating? Um, mm-hmm. Did you struggle financially? Were you homesick? Mm-hmm. You know, um, being so far away, it's not just easy to jump on a, a plane or a, or a bus or jump in your car to come home. Yeah, you know, like what what was that like on your on your mentals as far as just you know being away, being alone, having to kind of like mm-hmm. fend for yourself, so to speak. Yeah, so. I was blessed enough um, to have unlimited meal plan at the school. Our dining hall, you know, it was okay, but it got the job done. It really did. I got my calories in, got my proteins in. You know, I could eat whenever I wanted. Just made the best of it. It was three. It was a three-minute walk from my dorm room. So I was like, you know what? Uh, the eating thing was was good financially. Um, I guess I could. I guess you could say I was never really struggling out there financially. I I have really great grandparents and parents who you know they'll always be like, you know, you do you need hundred bucks this week or this month, whatever. Like but you still have there. to manage that, right? Yes. For the first time because you're you're away. I mean, even the allotment of money that you get from wherever you get it from, you still have to Yeah. So it's different. Yeah, so what I would do actually was because not that it wasn't enough money that they give, gave me, but I also wanted extra money just to like be able to use it out there, you know? I'm, yeah. You know, I'm a college student. I just wanted to use it here, use it there. There so, was no class in high school that taught you how to do that. Nope. None. Um, and that's why the system is, it's broken. I'm just saying, there's, there's going to be a lot of parents, there's going to be a lot of parents that have 13, 14 well, year olds that are watching. I just pointed that out for a reason, because again, yeah. these are, these are things that we, us as, you know, you, us, our kids are faced with when, 
reality hits, right? When adult life hits, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've dissected a frog, but I hadn't balanced a checkbook. Yeah. You know, it's another topic for another that's day. That's another but, day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I picked up a side job. I did a uh, Uber eats okay. and I would deliver food cause I couldn't do Uber cause I wasn't old enough and I still am not. You have to be 21 or something. Um, but for Uber eats, you could be 18 and I had my own car out there. It was nice. And gas is cheap out there. It's cheap. It's not like six bucks over here in California. It was like maybe three bucks. It was half that. It was cheap, man. I was driving like crazy because, you know, I just filled my tank mm-hmm. for 30 bucks and yeah. called it a day. So, um, yeah, so, I did Uber Eats. Okay. And that, honestly, it produced anywhere from 17 to 22 an hour. And I say 22 an hour because there's a lot of rich areas over there. And you I remember, I'll remember this forever. I ordered, I delivered a $25 pizza. The dude gave me a hundred dollar tip for a twenty five dollar pizza, and I I promise you the pizza was like <laughs> it was like a medium sized pizza, yeah. and I was just like, okay, I could do Uber Eats if I if I really need the money, and I'll go do Uber log Eats. on to the app. And yeah, and I would, and it was cool is I had a couple friends that were like, oh, you know, I'll ride with you, like I'll just do my homework, I'll turn I'll turn my hotspot on. So you know, it that was stuff that was like made the transition a little easier. You know, yeah. I was able, I found something to make money that wasn't hard. It was easy. And I like driving. Driving was fun. Um, Especially in a new area, right? Yeah. Like, it's all new to you, right? It's not like you're, it'll be different if you're doing Uber Eats in Oxnard or Camarillo or something. Yeah. Right? But you're driving around Maine. This is all new. Yeah. If I do Uber Eats over here in Oxnard, I'm going to pull up and be like, oh, yo, that's where an ex girlfriend lives. Or that's where, like, an old homie, <laughs> yeah. you know, got robbed, you know, something like that. But, like, in Maine, I was like, I had no idea. It was all know? new. There were definitely neighborhoods where I was like, oh, quick like, yeah. i gotta be out but there were neighborhoods where i was like oh i'm enjoying this this is this is really nice yeah. you know so that made the transition easy to maine was just like that helped financially if i you know if i want to get a new pair of shoes i was like all right i gotta do reach for like four or five hours but you had it you had a hustle yeah i had a hustle you know yeah. and that was and that's what helped me i think stick out in maine too is like in maine the streetwear and sneaker fashion uh-huh. is not very um what's the word not very popular out there yeah you know, obviously my Different teammates, culture. my teammates out there. Um, honestly, the whole team at USM, we all, you know, had sneakers. You know, yeah, you guys are part of that it's, culture. Yeah, it's right. a sport culture. Yeah. Um, but that's what helped me stick out. Was just like I always wore tough kicks, yeah. and sometimes I would wear like some Jordans that, like, you know, I'd consider my beaters, and I'd wear them in the snow, and people would be like, "Bro, like, what, what are those? Like, what are you, what are you wearing? Like, you're in the snow." Like, oh, no, it's not really snowing that hard. You know, I'll just walk around some floors today, feel cool, you know, walk to the dining hall with this big old Yankees puffer jacket and some distressed jeans at the bottom with some little paint droplets. But that's, that's Southern floor. California, though. Yeah, that's and that's what I brought Southern California to Maine, and it was cool. It was really cool. So that yeah. that also made the transition, like, easy because I knew that I didn't have to have to fit in with these guys. When you say, when you say um, it helped you stick it out, um, it indicates that you might have been having trouble out there. And me personally, knowing you, knowing your dad, I know you're having trouble out there. Uh, he reached out to me a few times like, hey, man, reach out to X, man, you know. And um, so what was the struggles that you were having, some of the challenges you were having um, being away from home? Um, other than the weather. Yeah. Other than the weather. Other than the weather. It's going to get real personal, but I think I think it's good because it, I'm you know being vulnerable with you guys and everyone that's watching and listening. There's strength um, and vulnerability, people. Yeah, there is. And I that's where we'll get into later about me being vulnerable is, is me leading you know a lot of people mm-hmm. right now. But back to what you said. So at the time, um, I was going through a really rough breakup, like really rough. I had been with a girl for a year and a half, 
and um, that was hard because after the breakup, long distance relationship. So we were gonna try it, and she like gassed me up to like, oh, this is gonna work. We're gonna do this, and then it was just like out of nowhere. One day, I sent a text, uh, and she didn't respond, and I was like, oh, you know, wait till the morning. Didn't respond in the morning. Yeah, you guys are in different time zones. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I'll wait till I'll just wait till the end of the day. Didn't text me back at the end of the day. And this was like a really heartfelt message because I was like going through it and I was like, hey, I miss you a lot and just told her everything about how I'm feeling. Then I waited a week, no response. And I was just like, how can you love someone for that long and then just completely ghost them? Especially after you just gassed them up about like, you know, like we're going to try this long distance thing. Yeah. I got you. You got me. Got deal. So I was going through that. And then on top of that, I was just overthinking a lot too about do I belong here? Yeah. Is this is this really the right fit, you know, coaching-wise? Basketball wasn't right. really going your way, it right? It wasn't. Oh, yeah, I forgot to add that. So the Carl, the one that recruited me to Maine, as soon as I committed, it was a couple weeks after, he sends me this really long paragraph. And I mean the ones where, like, you have to tap the three dots on your messages, <laughs> and it's a fun notes. Sends me that long of a paragraph. And he's like, I, have cho- I chose to retire. And basically just saying, like, you know, sorry, stuff like that. This happens a lot to kids, man. Yeah, it does. So I committed. New coaching staff comes in. I'm already in Boston when I got that text. I was in Boston. And I was like, well, I already just bought a car out here. I already paid for both semesters. You're implanted. I'm stuck here until the end of the year. Not even semester, the year. So, um... Yeah, so that was that was tough because new coaching staff came in, and I even they had a conversation. And there's a whole thing: uh, new coaching staff. They bring their players in, their mm-hmm. recruits this college. Yeah, so that that's tough. That's tough. It was really rough because I even had a conversation with him about like, you know, am I still the right fit for you? And it's a very uncomfortable conversation, especially like fresh, you know, being an adult. It was a really tough conversation for me to have with this coach who I've never met before. And so I just Yeah, usually him. your dad had that, that conversation with, right. with with a coach or something. But this but was my first time like adult conversation. I have to do right? this. Yeah. To do this. Right. And um so yeah. I just told him, I was like, hey, if I know I'm not your recruit, I know and I don't know if you've watched my film, but I said, you know, if if it's the better idea for me to red shirt or gray shirt, whatever it was that I said, it's one of the shirts, whatever. I yeah. told him like because I'm not your recruit, I get it, no hard feelings. I still want to practice and work out with you guys. And he was like, no, 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 you know, I watched your film. You're going to be a solid piece. Just keep working hard and, and keep doing you and, and just keep asking questions. So I was psyched. I was motivated. And then I just remember a couple games into the season. It was like five or six. I hadn't played at all. And I was just like, what's going on? Oh, that's tough. I, I went through that in college, yeah. um, in, not in junior college, but to go from like always playing, mm-hmm. being the guy, to not even, to not even breaking this, not even coming out your warm up. Yeah, that's hard mentally. And here's because that messes with your confidence, your ego, your mental everything. everything. Like it, that that was hard. Here's that's and hard. here's the worst that. part about it is my parents came to visit me mm. in Maine, and we had a two game tournament, two game, and these teams weren't that good. You know, we beat both teams by twenty plus, and I just remember I didn't play one minute in those games that they came to support me. You know, I put them on the list so they could come in for free. I, you know, I scheduled it all out. So they so, scheduled it all out and I didn't play. And it's crazy enough. You know, obviously people say, oh, you were the freshman, you know, don't expect minutes. But I mean, we were playing a team where it was an opportunity for me to showcase my skills, 
to see if I can compete at the college level. It was a, those two were definite games of you know playing. Yeah. So now you're going through another low yeah. with basketball, super low with relationship. Yeah. Right. I was going through a breakup. I wasn't playing. You know, I was in a you're away from home. Away from home. That was the biggest thing. Was is after a couple months, you know, because I was anxious to leave and just wanted them to leave and wanted to be on my own. It was after a couple months. I was like, yeah, this is tough. You know, it's really tough not being able to FaceTime. And it's like, oh, shit, wait, they're probably already sleeping, you know, or or not sleeping. You know, it's like... It's just the time zone thing. The time zone just, thing was tough. It yeah. was difficult. You know, they had their own things. They could still be in school. They could still... Whatever. You're adult now. Like, you know, you got younger siblings. That, you know, they're focused on them. You got yeah. a young, new baby coming in. Yeah. You know, ex is off in college. He's good, right? Yeah, he's that's, good. That's their expectation, he's, right? He's fine, he's fine, you know? right? He's living and, the dream. In all honesty, I, I was good for the first couple of months. I mean, it was just like slowly, slowly stuff kept hitting me in the face. Adversity kept hitting. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like, I'm I'm struggling. I'm drowning. Like, I, just, mm. I couldn't do anything. Um, but I was still, like, in the mindset of, like, I didn't want to be near my parents because it was the whole COVID thing space. I still wanted to be away, but I still wanted to have that contact, like, here and there. Because, honestly, like, my parents at the time, at the beginning couple of months, it wasn't, like, I didn't go to them if I needed someone to, like, you know, cry to or something. It was like my, my homie Jacob. Jacob, you better be watching. You're literally my best friend. I always say you're going to be my best man at my wedding. Um, but I would always call my friend Jacob and I was just like, bro, I'm going through it. Like, I need someone to just literally vent it all out. Mm -hmm. I say, and, you know, so I would, I would, we had a lot of conversations, a yeah. lot. I mean, a lot of FaceTimes, a lot of overnight FaceTimes, you know, and he definitely helped me keep going, yeah. you know, like, and staying strong, staying positive, um, just because it was somebody that I felt safe with talking to. Because I had friends out there, too, but I just wasn't too comfortable yet letting them know about, you know, my whole mental health, you know, just wasn't ready to open that up. Be vulnerable. I wasn't able, I wasn't ready to be vulnerable to those guys yet, yeah. you know. It wasn't until later that yeah. I finally opened up to them. But yeah, that was, that's pretty much like the gist, like, at the beginning was just like, I was going through a really rough breakup. Long distance, blocked so, on every, blocked on everything, and I was just like, "Damn, yeah, that hit." That hit. Basketball wasn't playing. You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't getting too comfortable with his new system either. It was, it was really weird. I was just like struggling with basketball. So when you have, when you changed your whole life from California to Maine for basketball, and basketball isn't working out, it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. What's the next step? Because if this doesn't work out, what am I going to do? And, you know, and you're anxious as a, as a 19, 18, 19 year old. No patience. None. None. I still don't. I'm only, I'm still 19. No patience. I'm about to turn 20 in two months and no I still patience. have no patience no because patience. I'm just like, I'm an individual that is like wanting to do stuff with my life. Right. I want to be at the top. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, even now, like I'm still kind of like low, mid, low, mid, low, mid. I've never really been like highest of the highs. But I think what this is going to do for me is this me being always low, low, low and learning everything in the lows. I'm about to I'm about to shoot it. Yeah, you because know? you've had so many life experiences yeah. and overcome adversity and mm -hmm. you've had to make decisions for yourself and then live the live out life and see what those what lessons those decisions bring. Right. That's, yeah. So that brings me to the next point. Then you make the decision to come back home. Yeah. And, you know, from a for a kid, you know, that. High low, you're you're out of town. You know, X is off in college, hooping, doing his thing, and then you're coming home. And I know that's a hard decision to come home because there's this um, there's that sense of failure, right? Because it didn't work out. 
Um, there's that social pressure and then there's that pressure at home. Like you're coming back home, but mm-hmm. your, your, your parents, your grandparents, your, your, your love support system is expecting you to, to go off to college. But, mm-hmm. um, again, you're faced with decisions that you have to make that was best for you. And so yeah. talk about that decision to come back. Home. So actually at the end of the first semester, I was, I told my family, I was like, I'm ready to come home. Like permanently. How they receive that? And they were like, "No, you're not." <laughs> oh, at least, <laughs> at least my dad. My dad was like, "No, you're not." My mom was like, "Come home, baby." My mom was on the edge because a part of her deep down was like, "Oh, my baby's gonna come home. Like Maine didn't work out. It's fine. I'm gonna coddle him in my arms." But there's also like the, okay, I need to be a parent and be like, I need to tell my kid that like, no, you gotta duke it out. You gotta learn. You gotta learn this lesson. You're not done with this lesson. And then, of course, my grandparents like, okay, well, that's what you want to do. Go ahead, come home. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, so I came home winter break, and it made me realize, I was like, all right, I'm going to duke out the last three, four months. I'm going to duke it out, you know. And it was also a hard time for my family, too. We had just got, you know, basic, basically kicked out of our house. We've been living there for 10, 11 years. You know, we we were like, this is going to be our home forever. We did you like, did you sense, Did you feel like a sense of responsibility to be home to help support the oh, move and, yeah. and the transition yeah because it was it was tough like you know it was really tough on my mom because no, this was like a place where before before my stepdad came into the picture this was a place where she sees it as i raised my son by myself i did it you know mm-hmm. in this home you yeah. know what i mean and she she looks at that home not just as like sentimental or like oh this is always going to be home she looked at it like wow i I accomplished something here. Yeah. Something that a lot of single mothers, when she was single at the time, you know, a lot of single mothers can't do. Yeah. And and I, I was raised by a single mom and, um, you know, my partner now is a single mom. And so I, I can relate to that a lot. Like, you know, it, there's, it's more than just a home. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of value other than just the uh, brick and mortar and the property in that home. So yeah. being uprooted from that home you're away from home mm-hmm. you know and and i know how close you and your mom are yeah so it, w- it was tough because you know my mom for the past those months too was like mentally p- kept prepping herself like oh my son's gone to college my son's going to college and then now she had to prep when i said that i want to come home she had to start prepping oh my son's gonna be back which you know a lot of people would say oh that's good and, you know son's coming back but as a mom who wants their son to develop and grow into a young man it's hard because she's already in the mindset of like Oh, my son's doing it out there. I got him, but I'm gonna keep him over there now. Yeah. You know, and so it was really hard transitioning for my mom, and that's where I was like, you know what, I'll stay. And it wasn't even specifically for my mom. I don't want my mom to see this. Like, oh, you're the, I'm the reason you stayed. No, I wanted to stay because you know they. I had a lot of good talks with my dad's friends. You know, we had a conversation. Yeah. Samson and I had a conversation. Um, my dad's uh, friend, Rel Battle. He, we had a conversation, and you know. Those three conversations, honestly, was like, all right, I'm going to stay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to duke out the rest of what the season has for me. I'm going to duke out the semester and just enjoy it, you know. So um, the rest of the, the semester um, was good. Yeah, was you solid. went back with no expectations. I went though, back, right? you know, no expectations. And I think that honestly kind of eased up a little bit of pressure, too, because I was like. You knew what you were going to do. Yeah. So I you was, were just enjoying it more than trying to probably figure it out. Yep. So it was more, and that's my advice to anybody that's out, you know, going away from home is Mm -hmm. enjoy your journey. Mm -hmm. I think we get so caught up in trying to figure out 
how to plan our journey and mm-hmm. what's going to be best for us. When mm-hmm. in reality, you gotta you gotta enjoy it. You yeah. gotta you have to enjoy yeah. the process. You guys have to enjoy and love what you're doing. If you know, if I just had that mindset my first semester, shit, I might still be there. Yeah. But I might still be there my second season right now playing with the guys, you know. The highs was, and lows are part of the process, right? Yeah. It's, it's part of it. I always say, like, I'm thankful. For, I'm just as thankful for the good as I am the bad. Like, I'm thankful for it all. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So coming back home and then not only coming back home, that's already a, a decision to make. But then now it's like, so what are you going to do? Yeah. Right, because you're coming back home, and there's a stigmatism, especially in Ventura County, about you know athletes going off to college and then coming back home. And then, like I told you, when we had that conversation, it's like, don't get lost out here if, if if you're still trying to go to school and play basketball. Just yeah, don't, don't get, get lo- stuck. Don't get stuck. Yeah, you know. And um, so talk about just that mental pressure and 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 not only coming home but then sticking it out and staying home because most people get that pressure and you know and, and that judgment from their peers and it's like oh well then i w- i gotta go back and satisfy them so i'm gonna jump into yeah, a situation I gotta go back and, and prove to people that i didn't fail whatever so correct. so yeah coming home it was it was difficult it was good but it was difficult because i not only had a lot of social pressure from my peers but i had a lot of pressure from my parents and it's crazy because you know like they wanted me to stay close and then now it's like i felt like they were pushing me away which i know was out of love because they want me to develop and grow they don't want me to get stuck over here um but it was tough because you know i didn't it's tough to disappoint your parents yeah yeah and i was um I was trying to find a college somewhere in California. I was like, you know, I'll come home, but I'm going to go to the school in California. I had I talked to UC Santa Cruz very briefly. They kind of blue-balled me. They're like, oh, you got to wait till you get admitted. I got admitted. They never responded again. Turns out they got new coaching staff, so now I know. Um, and then I was just trying to find other junior colleges maybe or NAIA programs. It just wasn't working out, so I was like, all right, screw it. I'm either going to go to Moorpark College or I'm going to go to Oxnard College. And I already knew off the bat me telling my parents that they weren't gonna they were like they were gonna receive that like no you're not gonna do that yeah and then finally i just told them i kept convincing them my plan my plan and you know they finally like all right whatever go ahead we have trust in you but just know that this is a decision you decided to make not us and they're not so they don't necessarily support the decision they weren't i don't think they supported it but they were supportive of Of it of, of it they were supportive of, of you, of you, yes. correct, yes. So, and then the next difficult conversation to have was my grandparents, because if I were to go to Oxnard, or when I was choosing between Oxnard College and Park, I wasn't going to live in, my parents live in uh, L.A., I wasn't going to stay in L.A. and drive all the way to Park. Doesn't make sense. College. Yeah, it's not feasible. So I was like, all right, I have to move with my grandparents. But before I move in with them, I have to have this conversation. And, you know, they're, this again, I'm Filipino, this isn't racist, but I'm just saying... Okay, you know, Filipino grandparents. Yeah, Disclaimers out there you know, nowadays, right? We have to. You know, or we're going to get canceled. And some, some bullshit, man. Yeah, but, yeah. but anyways, so my grandparents, you know, Asian grandparents, they were like, hey, man, you... I had a conversation like, hey, I'm going to go junior college. And it was just super awkward. Like, I just laid it out right on them. Like, they were sitting on the couch like, hey, I got to... I got to let you guys know I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go to junior college. You know, and I, I really want to pursue this basketball career. Um, and I think at this point, I had already chose Park College. I chose Park. I told them, I was, hey, Park College is one of the best academic junior colleges in California. And I was trying to find so many You're pros. You are trying to justify it, right? I was trying to justify it. You know, I was trying to find so many pros to make it look good. To, and, to, for acceptance of your decision. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it was really 
hard and we were going back and forth and finally like, all right, you know, we, we believe in you when we support you a hundred percent. And that put so much like, it literally felt like just bricks off my shoulder. I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you. Like, that's all I needed to hear was mm-hmm. just you saying that we got you, you know, like we support your decision a hundred percent. Um, that does so much, right? Just coming from people that you love, like mm-hmm. the support. Yeah. You know what I mean? It I think there's so a lot. It does. And, um, you know, there's so many kids or, 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 or parents that kind of overlook that, um, just showing support goes a long way. Yeah. You know, it and it's not about always judging or being critical, uh, especially from a parent being a parent. It's about like, Letting them live their life journey, letting you guys live your life journey and being right. supportive and being there to correct um, based on the life experience that I, you know, that we as parents have already lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it, it was, it felt good. I was just like, finally, like I can, I can just sit down and not feel like I'm sinking into the floor, you know, <laughs> like I just felt, it felt really good. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was a high. I was like, you know what? Back on a high, right? I was like, this is amazing. This feels so great knowing that like, all right. I can move in and I'm not going to feel like that burden of, oh, you had to move in because of junior college, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, they were like, yeah, move in. We got you. We're going to help you out. We're going to support you with whatever decision you make. Um, and then we'll fast forward a little bit. So after I committed to, to Moore Park, I was like, you know, I'm going to go to Moore Park. I really loved the program. Shout out uh, Coach Keith Higgins, if you do watch this. Um, super great guy. I mean, I only knew that personally, I only talked to him for about, two and a half weeks, three weeks max, but super great guy, super big motivator. you know, he's always trying to motivate his guys, always trying to push his guys to be the best and just has a lot of high praise. Um, and he comes from a very successful background. He has a, a daughter's in the WNBA. The rest of his kids had division one scholarships, full scholarships, mm-hmm. you know, so I was like, you know, what? he knows what it takes. Obviously if he got his kids there, he knows how to get other kids there too. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was super motivated going into the season. Like, I mean, like, I was working, shout out Redline. I was working out at Redline with Kevin Ballard. Um, I was working out with I Train with D every shout day. Out D. Every day. I was super committed. I was, and yeah. it's a 20 minute drive from Camarillo Ventura. Yeah. But I was like, I don't care. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to. But you're backing on to put in this work yeah. again. Because it's paid off for you in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And I was ready to, to just prove everybody wrong. Because everyone's like, bro, you came home. Like, it means you're yeah, That whole good. stigmatism. Yeah. 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 And so I was like, you know what? And excuse me, I was like, F you guys, fuck you guys. Like, yeah. I'm about to prove to you guys that just because I came home doesn't mean I suck. Like, it's just, you know, you guys don't know my story, and that's, you know, I'm sharing my story now, but it's like, you guys didn't know my story then. Like, so don't stigmatize me about it, you Correct. know? Yeah. So I was committed. I mean, I was, the practices were long. We were like four hour practices. Then we had weights. And I was like, I'm going to do what it takes. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm really ready to do this. And um, fast forward a couple weeks later, um, my knees, you know, I had really, really terrible knees. Something and else I can relate to, unfortunately. It's it's something where, you know, <laughs> I want people to feel bad, but it's also because, like, I could have been doing stuff. Yeah. I could have been doing a lot of knee workouts. I had I had it all laid out in front of me, but it was just the discipline that I had lost in Maine that I was just like, damn, I just can't get up and just do these damn knee workouts, you know. So that's definitely something I still think about to this day, too, you know. Um, but I had to... You know, at Moore Park, I was, like, 15 minutes into practice one time. I was like, whoa, like, this hurts. Yeah. And it wasn't like a – it wasn't like a soreness that you can duke out, like, you know, like, after you hit chest or shoulders and you can shoot the lactic acid out. It was different. It's tendon pain, you know, and that shit hurts really bad. And, 
You know, I'm five nine. I'm a very explosive player. For my people that know me, I can dunk. I can, I, I can get yeah. out there. You know, yeah. and I'm very, I'm a very active it's a defender. It's yeah. a strength. You, your, your knees are the strength of your game mm -hmm. because that's where your explosiveness and stuff comes Pretty from. Pretty much. So yeah. yeah, and then it was just like one practice. I was like, "Yo, coach, I, I can't practice anymore. Like this hurts really bad." So I sat out the rest of the practice, and then that's when I went home, cried, just because like not because it hurt. Like physically, it was the emotional and mental pain of, of like, I, I don't think I can play this game at the college level yeah. because of a mistake that I made that could have been fixed a year ago. And that's that's like the snowball effect of like, all right, now I'm overthinking a ton. And it snowball just got so big where I, I got super clouded, super upset with myself, mentally was just super out of it. And then that's when I made the decision. I, I called up Coach Keith. I said, hey, can we have a conversation tomorrow? Um, we, I just want to talk to you about some things and let it out my chest. He's like, yeah, sure, man. Um, we'll have a conversation going. Is everything good? I'm like, yeah, every, everything's good. I, I'd rather just save everything for our conversation tomorrow. Yeah. And he's like, okay, sounds good. I'll see you tomorrow. So this is when I um, I go have this conversation with, with Keith. And I said, hey, um, you know, my mental isn't there right now at all. You know, I just came home and I was super motivated to work out with you guys. And it's not anything that you've done. There's nothing that you didn't practice that turned me off or just like, you know, what's the word? Masculated me. It was just like, physically, I can't go. And mm -hmm. I I know that you want guys that can go. You want guys that are dogs. You want guys that... Horses. That yeah. Have, yeah, you know what I mean? And, and I, you want to be able to go. As a, as a right. competitor, you don't want to come out there belabored, right? right? You want to... Especially being at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially being home especially now, right? Especially being at home, you know? So I just had so much social pressure, and I, I just, you know, I told him, I was like, my mental's not there. I'm not happy playing basketball. Like, I just wasn't happy. He wasn't even happy playing basketball because mm -hmm. of the pain. And, you know, so I put a lot of mental strain on me, too. And I told him, like, I just, I can't. Yeah. And it, I, That's remember, tough. I remember breaking down kind of in tears, and um, he's like, hey, come here, man. You you're gonna be good, bro. You're gonna be good. Like, you know, you you know, I'm glad that you opened up about your mental health and I'm glad that you talked to me about this and you know, you didn't hide it for the whole season, like And you know, it worse, right? Yeah, he had a it lot takes of a lot of courage to do that. Mm hmm And he just you know, he made me feel good about no I mean nothing feel good about quitting, but it made me feel okay about quitting basketball. You know, it didn't make me feel he didn't make me feel any like resentment or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was it was a really good conversation. I remember him telling me, he's like, well, when your knees are good or maybe when they're feeling okay, you know, shoot me a text. We'll get some shots up on the gun. And, you know, and, and he's like, hey, if you're still here two or three years, you can have an assistant job. And I was like, damn. Yeah, yeah, that's what really yeah, set like the, on that's what really set like the holy shit. Like, thanks. That made yeah. me feel really good. Yeah. Like, you know, it didn't, you know, like I said, made me feel like all the, the bricks were gone again. Wait. And, you know, so like, the mental, the mental aspect of that was, was up, very up and down. And I forgot to add this, but I remember I had a, I had a conversation with my parents about it. Um, Which had to be tough. It was really tough. Um, I don't want to like expose them, but I'll just give like a brief <laughs> explanation. The conversation did not go well at all. It yeah. ended in, um, ended in tears, and then me walking out real harshly. It ended in me not talking to them for two weeks. Like it, it just wasn't a good conversation, mm -hmm. you know. And they, they weren't ready to hear that. 
you know, they weren't ready to accept the fact that their son that they had been supporting for so many years and thought this was his dream, you know, to, they thought I was giving up on it. When yeah. in reality, it was just like, they didn't see that, they didn't know about, well, they knew, but they didn't know more about the mental aspect. They didn't know more about the knee pain. It was, cause it was just really tough. It was really, really rough. Trust me. You're talking to somebody yeah. who with chronic knee pain, I'm 38 with arthritis and my story is somewhat similar, and that gets me to that next topic. It's like dreams change, yep. and for us that grow up in sports, like we have, we all have this hoop dream, man. We all think we're going to the to the NBA or to the NFL or to the highest level of our sport. But we out, when when it's time to give up the hoop dream at whatever level, it's hard because for a lot of us, especially like minority young men, like. This, these games are like the first thing that we fall in love with. Yeah. And when I remember when my hoop dream was over and it was coupled with, I was, I was faced with the decision of, and I was, I, my situation was different. I had a, a kid young and I had a mouth to feed, which played into my decision. And it was again, my mentals wasn't right. My body wasn't right. I had other things pulling on me and, but it was so hard to let go and not like say, yeah, I'm going to go play at this D3 or this NAIA school. And for me, it was like, it's not worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. This pain, this mental, like I love the game. And like, I went through a lot of a huge depression over the realization of that. My dream being changed because what am I going to do now? Right? Like yeah. I've been training yeah. and playing basketball my whole life. Like mm-hmm. what am I going to do now? Right. And um, so it's, it's a very hard transition. It's a very hard realization because for a lot of us, we don't all make it to that highest level, but that right. doesn't mean that we are a failure. And that's what we always teach the kids that we're around. It's like, it's about winning at the game of life, not just on on and off the court. And things that we've talked about um, in this conversation is like you've had a lot of wins and losses in life. Um, but talk about that with that realization. Again, you've talked about a little bit of your parents, but like yourself accepting like, damn, my dream is changing. Yeah. Like we, cause, me, I, I'm more. I was more realistic. I never thought at five nine, five ten, I'm going to the NBA. But like, yeah. I had the dream to step on a D one court, D two court, yeah. play on TV. All you know, we have yeah. all those, all those dreams, right? But when it's over and the realization sits in, how did you handle it? Because for me, just being vulnerable during that time, I would think I was about nineteen or twenty. I didn't handle it well. Yeah. So it was, geez, it was it was really rough. I mean. Like just flashbacks, you know. Just, yeah, you know, yeah, I get it. Um, it was it was difficult because I didn't feel the acceptance from my parents. Mm-hmm. It was tough. That makes it harder. Just made it ten times harder. Sorry, mom and dad, I love you guys, but it, it made it hard. It was tough because I didn't talk to them for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say my grandparents they they were really supportive. You know, they were like because they knew about this is my first time I really opened up to them about men, mental health, and I told them like I I just I'm not enjoying life. It wasn't even right. basketball. I'm not enjoying life. Right. So, you know, I told him, I was just like, I'm, I'm going to quit. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do in the next month, but just, you know, I just need some space for this next couple of, maybe just this next month. Um, so yeah, I was working, 
I was working at Sports Academy for like two more weeks. We had the summer camps, the Phil Handy summer camps. And I just remember I, the last two weeks I had no energy to do anything. I was just like, uh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do anything. I felt bad for the kids that you know came overseas. You want to be around the game, right? Yeah, and it was just – that's what made it even worse is that I felt bad that I wasn't giving my all to these kids. You know, that there's some kids that fly from Texas, from overseas, you know, from – we had this kid from China, you know. So it made me feel even worse mm-hmm. that I'm not giving these kids 100% because – I'm not 100% behind closed doors, and they don't see that, you know? So it just, I just kept, like I said, snowball effect. Kept getting worse and worse and worse. And um, actually, can I, uh, I gotta use the bathroom real quick. Yeah, we'll pause. Yeah, let's pause it real quick. All right, we're back. We're back, we're back. So yeah, we're just talking about just that, that realization of when that, when that dream um, changes. I wouldn't say quit, you keep saying quit, but... I would say when that hoop dream changes and you come to that realization that like that, that you lose that first love. And then for you, um, and it, it was the same for me when, when I gave up my hoop dream, like, you know, my family didn't support it as well, mm-hmm. which also made, um, you know, just, it made it, made the decision and the self doubt a lot worse. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, like for me, that a lot of depression set in and I didn't even know back then what depression was. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, Kind of paying back off of what I was saying earlier, it was it was tough. You know, my parents didn't fully support it. Didn't talk to them for a while. Um, you know, I had a lot of my peers actually was just you know that was the biggest one. Just peers like, yo, bro, why'd you quit? Why'd you quit? Why'd you quit? Oh, uh, and then you know you hear like behind closed doors, you hear other people saying, oh, I knew he'd quit. Oh, I knew he wasn't ready. And that's what really just like it pissed me off because I knew that I could prove him wrong. And I knew that if I was just like, all right, I'm going to rehab for the next five months and go at it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like, it wasn't even worth it because it was just so low in my life. I was just like, you know, my knees. That's, uh, I was just telling them, my knees. Yeah. And that was it. I wouldn't give them any other explanation. I just said, I, my knees. I have patellar tendonitis in both my knees. And I just didn't take care of them. You know, and then they keep trying to nag at it. And it was just like. I, you know, I erupted on some people. I was like, man, just fuck off, bro. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to talk about it, you know, respectfully. But there were some people that didn't say respectfully, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a harsh judgment, yeah. right? And so, it w- you know, that whole transition on, you know, my dream changing was like, like, what do I do, you know? Yeah, it's and like I have sense of, like, like I'm lost now, yeah, right? Super lost. Doing this for seven, you know, twelve. You know, since I can know, it's all I know yeah. is to show up and and who, who. That's it. That's you know? it. And you know, so I never worked a, a job before besides the Uber Eats. I never worked a job before. I didn't know what a job was. I didn't know what a W four form was. <laughs> application you resume. Know, I didn't know what an application was. I knew how to make resumes. Shout out Lawbacher in high school. He taught us how to make resumes. Thank God. That's good. Um, I didn't know what any of this was. Yeah. So I'm like. And I didn't want to ask my parents about it because I was, that just made me feel like I was depending on them more and more and giving them more of a reason that to be right, you know, mm. and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So I would, I would, Google, <laughs> I would Google stuff and sometimes I wouldn't find the answer. I'm like, fuck, what do I do? You know, just like super frustrated with myself. And um, then finally, you know, after a month of just like really going through it. Very depressed, very bedridden, very just like not want to do anything. I um, have a mental health brand. It's called Mentality Means More. I'm currently wearing it right now. I I really started to pursue that brand more because I wanted to show people the 
I wanted to be vulnerable, and it's not an easy thing. I wanted to be vulnerable on social media about my experiences, but also it was something that helped me because I was able to give a positive message on social media, and seeing responses is what helped me a lot. Mm. Just knowing that, like, all right, I just I help people. I really help people, and I enjoy helping people. It makes me feel good. I was like. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to this for a little bit. You know, just post content here and there. But keep in mind, you know, basketball is basketball is always gonna be in the back of my head. Always, yeah, always. basketball. 20%. Yeah, of course. I mean, still I'm is. 38 and still it's yeah. still there for me, right? Still there. So yeah. that brings us to today. Like right now, you know, for me as a coach, you know, a lot of coaches and AAU programs, um, they um, tout out all the guys they have in the NBA or that went D1 or, you know, but for me as a, as a coach and, and, and some, to some, a mentor, like the things that you're doing now is a, is the win is the scholarship is the NBA contract. You, you know, you're an influencer. Um, you, you, you know, you're shoe connoisseur. Um, you're, you're coaching yourself at a, at a high school and at the sports Academy with, with young kids and most importantly, I think what's overlooked a lot is you're really talking about mental health at your guys' age, mm-hmm. at, at your you and your peers' age, which I think gets overlooked a lot. And you see a lot of suicides and substance abuse and mm-hmm. just people in wrong relationships and just um, a lot of depression because there's just that that age is so hard. From, from that time you graduate to the time you start to like catch your adult stride and figure out what you may want to do for a period of time because that may change, um, you know, based on your own life journey. But so for me, those are my wins. Those are like seeing kids like you that come back and then pour into the community um, and, 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 and want to give back. And most importantly, which you have a huge amount of courage for being vulnerable on social media because that's not a place where people are vulnerable. That's a place of where people show their highlights of their life. And right. it's very hard to be vulnerable, period, mm-hmm. right? Unless you have that safe place. But then to be vulnerable on social media and be able to withstand any judgment, good and bad, from that, that takes a lot. So talk about your brand. Mentality means more. Um, what it is, uh, what the message is, why it's created. And, um, and yeah, just talk about that more. So mentality means more was created uh, while I was in Maine. It was December of 2021. Um, like I said, it was that period where I was very like, I didn't know what to do. I was going through the breakup. I was going through basketball. Just like, damn, this sucks. Mm-hmm. You know? So I've always wanted to start a brand. Always wanted to start a clothing brand at that too. I was very into fashion. And uh, I remember sitting in my astronomy class. I was, <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't even like a lab. It was, it was the lecture. It was a big lecture hall. So professor is not keeping an eye on every single person. So it was just the one class I was like, oh, this is boring. Like, um, I'm just going to sit in the back today. Sat in the back, and I remember I saw this ad for making logos on TikTok. And I forgot what the app's called now. I don't use it. But it was like this really basic app. And I was like, oh, I'm messing around with this, you know. So I was messing around. I saw that they have, like, 
like little uh, Pixar things that are blank, you know, whatever. And so I was just like, oh, let me like make something in astronomy. So I made this logo right here mm-hmm. that you guys are seeing right now. Um, I'll try and just put it on the screen probably. Yeah. Um, and the meaning of, well, actually I'll talk more about why I created it. So I created it because it was something that I was like, I'm going through this. I was posting like motivational little videos, you know, like of me, like in Maine. And then I would put like words over it, like just motivating people to be better, do better, you know, kind of motivating people like, Hey, if you're not your best right now, it's okay. You're going to see light at the end of your tunnel soon. And, but it's okay that it's not now. And Mm -hmm. you just have to keep fighting, sticking with, you know, your inner circle and you'll be good, you know? So it was just always like a, it's supposed to be those accounts that help you make you feel good, but also motivate you to be better and actually do better. You know, because there's accounts out there that make you feel better, but then it's like after a day, it's gone. You know, so my account is more like makes you feel better, but then also gives you motivation to keep going every single day. Yeah, and I think also it gives people, especially your own peers, a face, right? So you're relatable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going through life journey just like they are, but um, you're being courageous enough to be vulnerable about the highlights and the the not highlights, right? Um, so I think that's very important because most of the times we hear, and by no means you or I are uh, mental health professionals, but they're coming from these mental health professionals that feel like, well, they may be above us. Like that's not that may not be relatable, especially to you know, people in our community. Yeah. So when there's a recognizable face being vulnerable, saying, hey, I'm going through it too. I'm not okay too, but it's going to be okay yeah. in due time. And it and, and it's okay with not being okay. We all need to learn to start maybe being comfortable with not being okay all the time. Mm-hmm. Not everything's a fairy tale, right? Yeah. I mean, life journeys, it, it's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that is very important. Like I, like I mentioned for you to be in, you know, your age, 19 years old, you know, being vulnerable on social media to your peers. I mm-hmm. think that's important. Um, that's doing important work. Yeah. So that that's perfect that you said that. It's It was, you know, it was account made to, to motivate, inspire, and push people through their problems. But like you said, it was, it's to put a face to it. And a lot of people that, you know, I went to high school with, they're like, that I would have never expected to ever open up, to me at least, you know. Had people damning me like, dude, you just like you saved my life. Like, um, wow, you know, I that's the greatest message I've ever gotten was like, dude, you saved my life. And then it was just like, you know, it made me tear up because, you know, I had this kind of a little sidetrack. I had one of my best friends my junior year. He took his own life, and he's a he was a kid that was laughing all the time, super funny, always smiling. And, you know, this is when I was living at the beach, you know, longboarding with no shoes, board shorts and a shirt off. Life is good. You know, life's cool. Life's dope. You know, he had a cool little room, had a cool little spot, you know. Then it was just like one night after a a football game. We were going to Chick-fil-A. My friend Nick and I were going. And I got a FaceTime from a childhood friend who I have never get FaceTime calls from. And I was like, I found it really odd. So I, I answered it and I was like, what happened? And she's like crying on the phone with like two of our other childhood friends. And she's like, yo, like he took his life. And I was like, oh shit, are you serious? Like out of all people, like no way, you're, you're kidding me. So I just remember she was like, she's like, yeah, come by the house as soon as you can. Like, you know, we're all just kind of grieving over here. 
And I was on the way to Chick-fil-A, so that's why every time I have Chick-fil-A now, you know, it always pops up. Yeah. But a- I just, you know... Um, so, you, so you've been close to it. Yeah. Of, of the downfall of... Of men's of mental men, health. Mental health. Yeah. And I just remember I, I she hung up, and I went into Chick-fil-A. I wasn't crying yet, and we were like five, ten minutes away from Chick-fil-A still. I, we walk in, and I was with Nick, and the second that I sat down, just bawling just started bawling, you know, and it was, it was really tough and very difficult because it is, you know, I went home, I cried in my mom's arms for like 15 minutes. And then, you know, girlfriend at the time, she was just on the phone with me all night, you know, like, so, you know, going back to the whole putting a face on it and having people DM me about like, you saved my life. Like, that's really what I do it for. And people, I've already gotten the hate of like, oh, you're just trying to do it for attention. You just want random girls to hug you if you've seen my hug videos blindfolded. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, you guys aren't seeing the bigger picture. You guys are you guys are the ignorant people that, you know, who probably do need help, but you're not ready to open up about it. And that's okay. I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to keep doing me. But that what I'm really doing it for, it's not for the clout. It's not for the money. It's not for the little blue check mark next to my name. It's to really genuinely help people. You know, yeah, because the last thing that I want for anybody in my inner circle, outer circle, even people that aren't even friends with me or don't associate with me, the last thing I want for somebody is to go through what I went through, you know, having to deal with somebody taking their own life. And that could have been easily, maybe not easily, but it could have been prevented if maybe, you know, someone was there for him just to talk or someone was there to just give him a hug or someone was there to post a video and he sees it on his timeline and it gives him a sense of hope to keep pushing forward, you know, or to reach out or to just reach out, you know? So that was why kind of the brand was created. It was, it wasn't necessarily to try and make money off the clothing brand. It wasn't to try and become popular. It wasn't trying to prove to my peers that I was going to make it as this influencer. You know, it's, it's to really help people. It's to genuinely help people get through their problems. It's to genuinely help people, you know, understand that there is going to be light at the end of the tunnel. We just have to keep staying positive. And I know that it's not the easiest to stay positive, especially if you don't have an inner circle to rely on. So that's where, you know, I made this account. People can watch these videos. People can DM me. I say it in every video, every video I post on my story, on Instagram. I always say, DM me if you ever need somebody to talk to or if you need someone to, you know, just like vent your problems out. And I've had people, you know, reach out. Like I've, I've had... People, guys from VC Elite, you would have never, you will never guessed, reached yeah. out, and I'm like, whoa, and the, I mean paragraphs, yeah. and I'm just like, I would have never expected you, like ever, yeah. you know. But that's not like that's not why I'm doing it to try and get those people. It's like I'm glad that they did that. I'm so glad that they did that because now I know you on a different level, and yeah. I'm not going to use your information and tell to other people. That's that's where the big responsibility comes in. That's, that is a huge responsibility. You know, with mental health, is not sharing other people's stuff, and I'm I, you know, I'm really good with that. Not sharing people's, you well, know. Well, to, well, as you know, as you you've been on your journey and being vulnerable, it you need a safe place to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and and if you if you provide that for people, like I said, that is a huge responsibility. When people confide in you and their vulnerability, because, you know, if, if, if that trust or that safeness is, is mistrusted, then it's very hard to be vulnerable again, be, mm-hmm. you know, because it's already hard to come out of that shell yeah. and be vulnerable. But I think, you know, more people like yourself, um, and, and other people are, are, are seeing the power in, in vulnerability. 
um, myself included, you know, you know, and, and, and it has nothing to do with masculinity, right? I think right. so many males, we correlate vulnerability with being masculine and I, and I don't make that correlation anymore. I used to, mm-hmm. you know, because that was the way I was raised. That was my environment. Right. But, you know, as we learn and, and go through our own life journeys, I mean, I've had some of my biggest growth because of my vulnerability, vulnerability. Yeah. and because I have safe places to be vulnerable and safe people to be vulnerable around mm-hmm. in a safe environment uh, to be vulnerable. So, like I said, because now you kids, are, you know, it's so it's hard to raise kids in this world because you guys are men. We're, you know, we're we have all these stigmatisms that we're supposed to live up to minority men. We have all these stigmatisms that we're supposed to. Uh, um, and stereotypes, and then you throw in the social p- pressure, then you throw in your parents' pressure, and then you throw in the self pressure, mm-hmm. then you throw in the social media mm-hmm. pressure, yep. and, it's, and it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And, um, you know, and, and, the, you know, I'm glad that there's, like I said, these are, you know, speaking to you and, and seeing the, the important work that you're doing for your peers, you know, those are like the trophies for me, the MBA contracts of one of the kids that, you know, played with us and, and that we've had influence on, you know, to do is doing positive work. And I think also, you know, I'm a big advocate of like everyone's where they're supposed to be. And our life, our previous life experiences have only prepared us for what's, to, you know, today. And we've shared over this last hour and a half, all the life experience, all the highs and lows that, that you've had, all the decisions that you've had to make with or without support. And, you know, I think that it's made you the young man that you are today and that you will become. So tell me, like, what's next? What's next for you? So what's next? I mean, you know, I've always I still have the hoop dreams. Always going to be in the back of my head. You know, yeah. one, one day, who knows? Maybe I wake up. I'm like super motivated to just start rehabbing. And maybe who knows? I go five months rehab and I'm back on the court again. Mm-hmm. Right. But as of recently, uh, I've really just been trying to make my name more present in the social media world. Um, I've been seen on YouTube videos with guys, uh, Jesser, uh, Jeffrey Bowie. I've been uh, filming with guys like them. Um, you recently got thrown to the ground in a video that yeah. went viral. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, if <laughs> in you a men's league basketball Yeah, game. so I make uh, mic'd up content as well, basketball. So I'm still sticking around basketball, you know, making content here and there, um, basketball related. Um, but yeah, just trying to make my presence kind of known on social media and um, just my, my ultimate goal um, with this whole social media stuff, not only to, you know, maybe this could be my career, this could be my job, but eventually I want to build a platform, you know, with myself. Hopefully I get up to the million subscribers or the, you know, million TikTok followers is eventually I want to build this platform that I have with all the responsibility that comes with it and open up about my story about mental health so that I can impact people, you know, not, not so I can, you know, oh, this, he's such a good guy, blah, blah, you know, like that stuff's cool, you know, whatever. But, you know, my, what's next for me is I, I'm taking this social media stuff serious. I've been making content. Um, follow me on TikTok, uh, X can vlog, X can hoop, YouTube channel coming out soon. Um, we're actually, this is the vlog camera right here. Um, but yeah, just trying to, trying to make it in the social media world right now. And I think I'm headed in the right direction. I just have to stay, you know, trying to implement this back into my life since I lost it over there in Maine. I'm just trying to discipline 
myself to, you know, all right, you got to film all day today. You got to edit at the end of the night or, you know, bum fuck early in the morning, you know, and, and like go all in. That's, that's my biggest thing as of recently right now is just going all in because if, you know, I saw this little TikTok quote, but I'm, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, I stuck to it. You know, if you have, if you have a plan B, you're already preparing yourself to fail for plan A. Like you're already putting into your mind that you might fail plan A. Wow. And I mean, my, I'm always a person that's like, man, I might have a plan B, but like you just changed my perspective but, or something. But my thing is like, if I'm preparing, if in case I fail on plan A, am I really going all in on plan A? Wow. And and my thing is, if plan A fails. It doesn't fail. I'm just rewriting plan A. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to rewrite it. Because if I try to rewrite a whole other plan B, that means I don't fully believe in what I'm doing with plan A. So right now, you know, plan A is just going all in social media. You know, I, I just bought this camera. Um, <laughs> Investing in yourself. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't like a cheap little 500 one. It's, it's yeah. up there um, yeah. above four figures. I just recently bought a PC um, to start, you know, professionally editing my videos I'm going to start doing, you know, Twitch stream content, you know, try and get into that world. I'm going to start doing, you know, more gaming content as well, like 2K vids, stuff like that. I'm really just going completely all in now, you know, and being able to tie this whole basketball social media presence with my mental health, you know, brand. I think that being able to tie that in soon in the next couple of years is what's going to set me apart from these different, you know, YouTubers, you know, because it's bigger than just making this basketball content, making people enjoy it, you know, laughing, whatever, et cetera. Eventually, when I do have this big enough platform, I'm going to come out with my story, my full, complete story about mental health and what I went through, kind of basically what we've talked about in this podcast, but going more into detail about little particular things that happened out in Maine, you know, that we just don't have enough time to talk about on here. But eventually that story is going to come out, and, you know, that's the goal. It's just to, it's to impact lives. Well, man, I, I commend you. Uh, like I said, you're doing important work. Um, I'm proud to, to be a part of your journey. Um, the Collab District always serves as a platform for yourself and um, to come and share or shoot or record or, you know, get a group of peers together to, to talk about mental health and, or a group together just to talk about what you guys are going through. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I, I think all that's important. So, my platform is your platform. Um, so you, I appreciate you. you coming on to the pod, being vulnerable, sharing um, your story. Um, I think we should get a lot of good feedback. And uh, thanks for stopping by the pod, man. Appreciate yeah. you. Thank you guys for having me.